is now, right? This coming sometime this week, right? So um, if you're uh, about to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, ushers can um, uh, look to the people. If they have their hand raised up, that means they want an offering envelope. If you like a tax receipt at, end of, at the end of the year for your giving, um, and our country allows us to do that, to apply that to our taxes, so be sure to slip your hand up. And also, if you're giving cash, that helps, uh, helps our bookkeeping as well. And um, so it's a good day today. The Bible says that God told Abraham that he was going to bless him. And how many know when God says that you will be blessed, you are definitely blessed. You are definitely blessed. And the purpose of the blessing, he said that you will be a blessing to others. You will be blessed and you will be a blessing. How many know it's hard and difficult in most situations to be a blessing if you don't have the resources to be able to do so? And so God wants us to have an abundance, to have more than enough that we're able to give to the work of God and to be able to bless the work of God in his kingdom. Amen. You're all such a blessing with your volunteering and all that you do here, also financially. Uh, take your offering in your hand. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to sow seed into your kingdom. We declare today, God, an abundance in the life and family of each person in this church. God, we declare your... Um, your joy, and your peace in their homes. We thank you, God, that our offering is a sign of our worship of putting you first in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Um, the ushers can pass the offering containers. Uh, we missed Pastor Steve last week, but this week he's back. Let's welcome Pastor Steve. Praise God. Well, God's good, amen. Thank you for that golf applause. I appreciate that. It's good to be with you all. We uh, had the opportunity last week to be at Church for the Harvest in their um, uh, new building. So they built a brand new building there by the Harley-Davidson dealership. You, if you're a motorcycle rider, you know where that is. But anyway, so it's great. it was great having, having the opportunity to be there and preach and, and see what God's doing there. I, want, uh, I, I thought about this story, and I might have shared this uh, story with you. It's kind of a funny story. But I thought maybe you would like to laugh a little bit. Maybe laugh. I don't know. Maybe you won't laugh. Maybe you won't get the punchline. But um, so this guy named Joe, he, um, he set out to be a farmer. And uh, nothing worked out. I mean, it was terrible. Drought, all kinds of things. And then uh, to top it all off, um, he's driving his tractor out of the ditch one day. And the tractor tipped over and rolled on him. And he ended up in the hospital. So he goes, oh, farming must not be for me. So he tried to be an electrician. How many have heard this story? My wife has. <laughs> she didn't think it was funny the first time I told it. So anyways, but, so she, he takes, like, becomes an electrician. Not, again, nothing works out, you know. And finally, he ends up being electrocuted. And, um, and so he, he goes, oh, electrician's not for me. So then he decides to be a pilot. And so he's taking flying lessons, and things are going kind of slow, and not, nothing's really working out very good. And and finally, he, he crashes. And so he ends up in the hospital. And he's laying there in the hospital room, and he says, God, uh, I, tried to be a, I tried to be a farmer, and that didn't work out. I tried to be an electrician, that didn't work out. I tried to be a pilot, that didn't work out. What's going on? And God says, I don't know, Joe. There's something about you that ticks me off. <laughs> that was funny. I don't care what anybody says. But it's funny. It's a funny story, but it's bad theology. Amen? It's a funny story, but it's bad theology. God doesn't feel that way about you. Amen. And uh, I just wanted to 
talk to you this morning about a time, a time for faith, a time for faith. And uh, I don't know, I don't want to go into all the different things that are happening in our, our world and in our nation, but let me just say this to you. It's a time not for despair or despondency, but it's really a time for faith. And it's a time for the church really to come together and put aside our little differences and our issues and join with other believers because I believe that the church is the governing, uh, holds the, 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 the mantle of authority in the earth today. And uh, I believe that our inspired prayers can actually turn the tide of, of our nation and, and can uh, set the course of where God wants us to go. But, you know, there's a verse in the Old Testament where it says God looked for an intercessor and he found none. And so I thought about that. And then it says he, his, he poured out his wrath because he couldn't find an intercessor. And I think that's true today, that God looks for people that will pray and ask him to bless humanity. You know, John Wesley, he made this statement and he said that God does nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him to. And I believe that's true, that God waits for us to pray. Otherwise, if God does what he does, regardless of what we do, then prayer becomes a meaningless exercise. But prayer is actually covenanting or joining hands with God to see his work uh, go forth in the earth today. And that's what we need. We need to see the work of God go forth in today. But it's not just prayer. It's believing prayer. It's not just prayer. It's believing prayer. And so what I've been doing in these last few weeks is I've been actually talking about hope. And I want to transition from hope into faith this morning because I think hope is the starting point so often with faith. And, um, and so, but so many times people don't understand, uh, they don't understand hope. And they don't understand faith. I mean, hope is a mental, uh, it's pictured in the Bible as a mental thing. It's like, it's called in the scriptures, a helmet. It's called the helmet of the hope of salvation. And so it's a hel- just like a helmet in, in a, where the soldier covers his head. So hope covers our thinking or covers our mind. You know, the enemy wants to put hopeless, despairing thoughts in our mind. He wants to sweep us away into uh, in, away from our steadfastness in Christ by causing us to think the wrong kind of thoughts. That our situation's hopeless, that there'll never be a change, this person's hopeless. I hope you're not sitting next to that person, but, but this person's hopeless, this situation's hopeless, I'm hopeless, right? I mean, that, those are kind of thoughts that happen to us a lot. And I want you to realize that those are, are, are thoughts of the enemy. Because there are no hopeless situations, there are no hopeless people, there's just hopeless thinking. Let me just say it again, because that's so profound. There are no hopeless situations, there are no hopeless people, there's just hopeless thinking. And God, sometimes the very beginning of change is that God begins us to hope again, give, give us the ability to hope again. In other words, you might be wrestling up against a situation, and it might be that I've been in this situation for so long, it seems totally impossible, but there are no impossible situations. And sometimes I look for that glimmer of hope in situations. If I can see a glimmer of hope. I remember I've been, I've been in, and, and you have too. I mean, we've all been in situations. And, you know, like if you start telling about negative situations that you be in, somebody will always try to top it. You know, like, well, you think that's bad. You know, you ought to, let me tell you another one. You know, and so it kind of goes downhill from there on, right? 
But I mean, we've all been in those type of situations and I've been like to the point where I'm thinking there's absolutely no way out of this situation. I mean, it's impossible. This is beyond, I felt like I was beyond despair. And then, but never giving up on seeking God and putting God first in my life and just going, God, speak to me, do something. And all of a sudden, just having God just say something to me inside, just some word, and it was just like a door cracked open and a light began to shine. And I can't tell you what that means. It's, a, it's an amazing experience if you've never had it. And uh, where God begins to give you hope. And that sometimes is the first step toward real change is just to have that, that word that God begins to speak to us through his word where we start to begin to hope again. And, and we, and we uh, because a lot of times what happens when we go through stuff, it gives us the opportunity to depend more on God. You know, there's a verse in, in Proverbs. Uh, I, I sometimes read one proverb uh, in my daily reading. I'll read one proverb a day. Uh, and there's 31 proverbs, so 31 days in a month. So you read one proverb a day. That's one way that you can get into reading the Bible. So the 27th this, month, this week, 27th, I read Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring. Or you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Different translations. But, you know, I thought about that verse because it's such a, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, if things are all going good in our lives or are easy in our lives, what happens is we sort of settle into kind of a self-sufficiency where we think, yeah, everything's good. I can handle it. The day's going to, a sunshine's going to shine tomorrow. You know, everything's, I mean, there might be some trouble, but I can handle it. Everything's good. And sometimes it's good that we have to uh, turn our, be in situations where we turn our attention or we turn our focus or we turn our dependency away from just everything working out in the natural to, to depending upon God. Where we just say, God, if, if you don't help me out here, I, I'm not going to make it. God, I need you every hour I need you. And that dependency is, is something that is really what faith is all about is trusting God no matter what we're going through. That we never lose our dependency upon Him. I'm, I'm depending upon you and, and always keeping our edge and not just relaxing, settling into a, a, non-productive, a non-productive position. You know, years ago I was walking, and I, you probably maybe heard me tell the story, but I'm just kind of winging it this morning. Anyway, so, so I, was, I used to walk up and down these gravel roads and one day I was walking, I think it was in the spring. Isn't this a wonderful spring day? I mean, what rain? What wind? What cold? But I was walking, not a spring day like this day, but I was walking on a normal spring day. And I saw a farmer out in the field. And, and, and his tra- I, saw the, I, I could see the tractor was really, he was plowing up fallow ground. And I thought to myself, as I looked at that tractor, I was meditating and I thought to myself, the ground is saying, no, leave me alone. I like it like this. And the tractor was saying, uh-uh, your life's about ready to be turned upside down. And I think that sometimes if, we, if our life settles into a non-productive state, sometimes God's got to send his tractor. And we're saying, no, Lord. And God says, no, I'm... No, something's going to happen here. We're, 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 this thing's going to be turned around. This is not going to continue on in this way. 
uh, we're going to turn this upside down, right? And, and actually, that's a, good, that's a good thing. You know, there's three storms in the Bible, three storms at sea in the Bible. And they came for three different reasons. The first one was Jonah and, and, and the book of Jonah. And that storm came because of Jonah's disobedience. But there was 120,000 people, souls that were at stake, that his obedience could turn that whole situation around. 120,000 120, souls that hung in the balance. And Jonah was going the wrong way. And so God, it says God sent a storm to turn him around and get him going in the right direction. Amen. And it's a powerful story, but that was the first storm. The second storm that came was the one that Jesus and the disciples, and that came because of the word of God. It, it wasn't because of disobedience, it was because of the word, because Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. He didn't say, let's go halfway and sink. He said, let's cross over to the other side. And so that storm came because of the word. Jesus said, Satan comes immediately because of the word to steal the word from our hearts. So that storm came because of the word. The third storm was when Paul was shipwrecked in the end of, in the, at the end of Acts. And that storm came because those people were disobedient. They didn't listen to Paul. Paul said, if we, he said, I don't think we should proceed any further. I, I perceive this, this, this voyage will be with, a, with much loss. And so that storm became because of disobedience. And so we have to discern why storms come to our lives. Amen? But, but in every situation, just realize this, that was not God's best. It wasn't the way God wanted it to be. But it was, a, in some cases, a work of the enemy. Amen? And so... But God wants us to come, to, to move beyond where we're at and really engage uh, in prayer and believe God for our nation. Amen? And so the, the starting point very often is hope. You know, a glimmer of hope. People, you know, kind of look at hope. I mean, I always did. In fact, growing up in the church, I don't know if I ever heard a sermon on hope. I, I heard sermons on faith. I, heard, of course, heard sermons on love. But I hardly ever heard sermons on hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Meanwhile, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. These three, well, that's small print, huh? <laughs> Me, meanwhile, these three remain, we should have had that bigger. <laughs> these three remain, faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love. And so when you see that the greatest of these is love, we somehow diminish the importance of the other two. Those are three eternal things that are absolutely essential for your life. And I, like I said, I've heard sermons on love, a lot of sermons on love. I heard a lot of sermons on faith, but I hadn't heard a lot of sermons on hope. And as I began to study the scriptures, I found out that hope is eternal like faith and love is eternal. And what hope is, according to the Bible dictionary, hope is a confident, this is this definition, Hope is a confident expectation of good. So Oral Roberts used to start his broadcast by saying, something good is going to happen to you today. People just get furious. Because they, they said, um, thank you. <laughs> Put that back up. You asked, there it is right there. He used to say, something good is going to happen to you. People get furious because they, they say, something bad will happen to us. Well, why would you want to think that way? 
Of course, there's enough, there's enough bad things that happen, but I want to look for the good that's going to happen to me today. Something good's going to happen to me today because God is a good God and every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Amen. And so I want my, I want my mind to be filled with the goodness, the, the idea of God's goodness is going to be revealed. I want to walk around, like Ryan was talking about last week, when he was talking about your confession of hope. I want to walk around going, man, I just, something, something's good's about ready to break out. I want to get mugged, like Psalms 23 says, by goodness and mercy. Amen. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That, that's like, I'm walking down a dark aisle and, Dark, and there's two muggers behind me. One's goodness, the other's mercy. One day, mercy mugs me. The next day, goodness mugs me, right? You know, most people think that God sends an angel and, and that, you know, God sends the angel and the angels gra- grab you, beat you up. One angel's holding you, the other angel's beat, beating on you, just like Joe, like, like Joe we talked about in our opening story. But no, I want you to realize that goodness and mercy can follow you. I want to look for some goodness and mercy in my life. Amen? And, and, and if you look for it, you'll see it. You say, that's some goodness and mercy just followed me. Amen? And so that optimism is not something that's just superficial. Like someone said one time, well, don't get your hopes up. No, get your hopes really up. Because the higher your hopes are, it's like, it's like um, you know, faith is what builds the house. But hope is the blueprint. If your blueprint is just little, little shack, you know, they got mini homes now. How would you like to live in one of those? Some of you are going, I live in one. I, I, good for you, you know. I need some space, you know, come on. It's like, um, I, I, I get off that subject right now, but <clears throat> I just need some space. You be on that part, I'll be over here. You know, you have one of these mini homes. It's like, you know, you want to be able to go somewhere where you can be alone a little bit, where you can mumble to yourself, gripe to yourself. You want to have that, isn't that right? You don't want to be somebody listening to you every minute of the day, right? But, but here's, okay, get off that point. Okay, so, but here's my point. Your hope is like your blueprint. And so if, you, if, you, if your blueprint's a little mini home, your, your faith is going to come along and build that for you. So you got to have, you need to have a palatial mansion as a blueprint so that your faith can come along and build that for you. Amen. So we need to get our hopes up. Notice that the Bible says here, so let me finish the definition. I'm having a hard time finishing this here. Hope is the confident expectation of good, a steady, persistent optimism. Hope is the, is the confident expectation of good. Good, something good's going to happen. A steady, persistent optimism. Walking around optimistic. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Everything written in the scripture was written to teach us in order that we might have hope. Where does Bible hope come from? Well, it comes from the Bible. Through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. See, when you read scriptures, if you're depressed after a while, you're not getting the message. When the, the scriptures give us hope, scriptures give us reason to hope. I like that song, that new song we sang, where it says, I'm going to live, I'm going to see the goodness of God. That's a Bible verse. Did you know that? He goes, I, David said, I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. It doesn't mean that he didn't have some bumps along the way. 
He didn't have some low points along the way. But he said, I just kept believing through that that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You just need to continue on. Don't quit. You know, it's interesting. When you study the life of Abraham, you know, it starts out in, we, we always think that it starts out in Genesis 12, but it actually starts out in Genesis 11. And it says that, uh, it's, it says that Abraham's father, Terah, they, they left Ur of the Chaldeans, which is, became Bab, was Babylon. They left that and they moved to go to the land of promise. But, and there was three of them. There was Abraham, his dad, and Lot, his, his nephew, and then their wives and all their other whatever, you know. And so it says they left Ur of the Chaldean, they left Babylon, and then it says, and they left because God spoke to Abraham and, and told him to go. I'm going to show you a land that I want you to inherit. And so he went. But when they got to Haran, it says they got to Haran, it says they settled there. Haran was like a delay. Haran was like a detour along the way. And, and so then it says Abraham's dad died there in Haran. And so Abraham continued on to, to, to the Canaan land after his father had died. And so I look at that sometimes and I think to myself, you see, his father started out believing something, but his father didn't go far enough. His father didn't go far enough. And there's a lot of us that start out, but we don't go far enough. And one of the reasons why we don't go far enough is because we lose hope along the way. And so it causes us to disengage. You know, a few weeks ago I told you this example about an eaglet, a mother eagle, has to sit on an egg for 30, I think it's 35 or 36 days. She has to keep that egg, this mother has to keep that egg at 106 degrees for 30, it's either 35 or 36 days. I mean, and, and, and you know, when, when you get pregnant, like, there's quite a few ladies in, our, in this room that are pregnant. Won't point anybody out, but, but when you're pregnant, the, the baby moves inside of you. You know, you go, look, what's that right there? Oh, that's the head, or that's, oh, that's an arm, you know. What's, what's it doing now? It's Pentecostal, you know. It's, <laughs> they, say that, they say that the baby sleeps when you're moving, and then when you stop, when you stop, uh, moving that says it goes to church and starts having a praise meeting and it's not like a it's not like a uh, you know like a traditional type praise meeting. it's a it's a holy ghost pray, praise me you know you know what I mean but 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 you see signs of life that whole thank God right that whole nine months you see you feel signs of life you see there's motion there's movement but that little that mother eagle sits on that egg for 36 days and there's no sign of life there's no sign of life whatsoever, but there, there's something so precious inside that egg. And she's got to keep that egg in the right environment in order for that egg to bring forth a little eaglet. And that's a picture of us when it comes to the promises of God's word, is that we have to keep the promises of God's word in the right environment. When we receive a promise, we have to keep that promise in the right environment. And one of the things that we do is we have to keep hope alive. You know, it says in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham, when it talked about him and the promises of God's word, it says, let's, let me just read it for you. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. There it is. The large print, too. 
For Abraham, listen to this now, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone. I mean, and like I think Ryan was talking about earlier, where, you know, he's, how old is he? He's almost 100. He never had a child with Sarah. Sarah's almost 90. I mean, come on. I mean, this is not going to happen. I mean, if you were, if they came to you and said, you know, God spoke to us so powerfully. He appeared to us so powerfully. And we entered into a covenant together. It was such a powerful experience. I mean, uh, the this, this smoking uh, uh, oven came and appeared and walked up among the pieces of the armor, um, um, pieces of the animal, and God swore to us. But you're going, you're almost a you're almost a hundred. She's 90. You haven't you need to get this Ishmael thing going. Right? Wouldn't you say that? It's not gonna happen. He had no reason for hope being gone, hoped on in faith, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been promised. So numberless shall thy descendants be. So he didn't have a reason for hope. The only thing that he had was that he had the promises of God. In other words, Abraham didn't stop at Haran. His father stopped, and Lot came, and Lot was always a, you know, Lot was always a problem for, for, for Abraham, and eventually they separated. And as soon as they separated, Lot separated from Abraham, God said, now lift up your eyes and look from the north, the south, the east, the west, the land that you see, I'll give it to you. And he kept, he kept encouraging him. And so Abraham had this promise. He, it was not something that was secondhand, it was firsthand. You know, one, one of the reasons why we don't proceed until the fulfillment of the promise is because a lot of things that we believe are secondhand to us. We heard somebody said somebody said something. Like, you come to church here and I preach an incredible word. You say, well, I don't know about that. I'm believing it's an incredible word. Don't bother me. I'm, just leave me in my little world. We hear an incredible word. You say, amen. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. And we mentally agree with it, but it's not going to work just because you mentally agree. You can't stop at Heron. You can't stop at Heron. That's why I always tell people, you, gotta, you should take Scripture. When you, when you listen to a sermon preached, you should take every Scripture. I used to do that. I used to take every Scripture that they said, and I'd look it up. See, is this guy reading into Scripture, or is he reading from Scripture? I used to look it up, and I'd, I'd check him out. I mean, I've, I've even had, like, con when I was involved with controversy about doctrine, where people were saying, well, you know, that's too extreme. I would take every, every verse on that subject in the Bible, and I'd write it out. And I'd look it over. Say, is this, is this person, is this criticism of this truth, is it true? Or is this true from scriptures? I'm not going to just be somebody that just goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to be somebody that continues on past Haran into the promised land. We have to go all the way with God. We, we have to take this serious. You know, and, and just hopefully in a couple weeks, the farmers are going to start planting. Right? Have you ever seen a farmer when it comes time to plant and harvest? Buddy, get out of the way. I mean, he can be like the most mild-mannered, sweet guy that ever, but when it comes time to plant, he's going to run you over. I remember we used to have a, I got to be careful what I say, you know, because 
we used to have a guy that would, anyways, and, but, <laughs> and he used to drive his car by us, and he would, he would always drive slow, you know, it was like, it's always kind of slow driving, and yell at us for driving fast, which I didn't think we drove fast anyways, but he yelled at us for driving fast, but when it comes to planting and harvest, watch it. I mean business now. This is serious. And that's how we have to be spiritually about God's word and about bringing forth the promise in our lives, in and through our lives. We've got to be serious about it. We can't be casual. People that are casual don't get anything. People that are casual, they don't get anything. You know, sometimes we look at the miracles in the Bible, and we say, boy, I wish I was there when Jesus walked the earth. It'd be awesome. It was one, it'd be wonderful. It wasn't that easy to get a miracle from Jesus. Take the woman with the issue of blood. Take, take the woman that Jesus called her a dog. I mean, the woman came and said, could you cast the devil out of my daughter? And he goes, it's not good to chill, take the children's bread and, and give it to dogs. I mean, he called her a dog, basically. Thank you for your enthusiasm. That, that made you tense up a little bit, didn't it? But, you know, if you look into that story just a little bit, she was a Canaanite. Canaanites worshipped and served foreign gods. And so she was, a, she was an idolatress. And she came because she was, her child was full of devils. But her child was full of devils because she was an idolatress. She was an idol worshiper. That's why her daughter was full of devils. And so Jesus said, it's not good to give the children. And then it says she came and she worshipped him. In other words, she switched gods. When she worshipped him, he said, go thy way, thy, the devil has gone out of thy daughter. Now that you switch gods, the devil's gone out of thy daughter. But I mean, it wasn't like Jesus running after her, I'll do whatever you want. It was, she had to, she had to push through some stuff. She had to get tenacious, and there has to be a tenaciousness about us in the spirit. Yeah. Well, we're not, we're not, we're just not going to be denied. I mean, you look at people in the Bible that when they, when they got things from God, they had the attitude, I'm not going to be denied. I'm bringing, this up. I'm bringing this up tomorrow. I'm bringing this up next week. I want to bring this up next month. I'm bringing this up next six months. I'm bringing this up next year. You're going to, I mean, I'm not going to be ugly about it, but I'm, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a lover of God. I'm going to be reverent, but I'm, I'm going to be persistent. You know, when the Bible talks about hope, it says that, it says that, we have hope, and then it says we go through suffering, we go through difficulty, and difficulty produces something in us. You know what it produces in us? It produces in us, we don't quit. There has to be a commitment in our hearts and minds to Scripture. We don't quit. I don't give up on things. And you've got to have that attitude of, well, we don't give up on this. I'm not giving up on this. I'm not giving up on this relationship. I'm not giving up on this promise. I'm not giving up on this forward motion. I am not giving up. I don't have a drawback spirit. I have a press forward until I receive that which was promised. When you have that kind of attitude, then you, you have the seed of God's word in good ground. Otherwise, you're just here today, gone tomorrow. Amen? So there has to be a tenaciousness about us. There has to be a persistence. And that's how, that's how Abraham was. I mean, I wish that we, I could say that Abraham went in a straight line. And this should give you hope. 
I wish I could say he started out and he went in a straight line and then inherited the promises. But it wasn't that straight. It was kind of crooked. We go to Haran. Hey, what are we doing in Haran? You know, it's like God was going, hey, Abraham, what are you doing? I don't know. Wavering, I guess. <laughs> then his dad dies, which was probably not a good moment for him, but then he goes, I'm going to pick this thing up again. And then he started in again. And then he has all these encounters with God because God kept drawing him closer in order to bring to pass the promise in his life. And then they get Ishmael. They get the Ishmael plan. It's like plan B, Ishmael. That was a mistake, Abraham. That was a big mistake because Ishmael's descendants are all over there torturing your, your Isaac descendants. He shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have come up with plan B, but that was way, a little bit of wavering there. But eventually, because he wouldn't quit, eventually he inherited what was promised. And see, that's the thing. The Bible says we have need of patience that once we have done the will of God, we may receive what was promised. Amen. There's something happening. There's something that God's doing in us in route to the promises, the fulfillment of the promises. And we need those kind of people with those kind of, that kind of faith today. I want you to look at another verse here in Romans chapter 15. Kind of blew up my sermon, but you guys don't care, do you? Look at Romans chapter 15. It says, verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that, you're, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here the, he's called the God of hope. It, it says that you may abound in hope. You know when you abound in hope? Abounding in hope is like when you pour water in a glass and the, and the glass gets full, but you keep pouring until the glass starts flowing over. It starts running down the, on, on the table, then it starts filling the table up, and then it runs down off the table onto the floor, and then it starts running down the floor, and then it starts running out the door. Now you're abounding. That's why David said in the psalm, he said, my cup runs over. We need to have some cups running over. Amen? abounding in hope. He didn't say just have a little dab of hope. He said abound in hope because your faith gives substance. One more verse, maybe Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith, so faith needs hope. God needs you to be a hopeful person. God needs you to be a hopeful person. Turn to your neighbor and say, You need to get your hope on. Because it's your helmet. It's your helmet. You know, in the, in the NFL, which I'm seriously thinking about not watching it anymore. But in the NFL, if a player takes off its helmet, his helmet, he gets penalized. You need to get your helmet back on. Amen. And recognize that the enemy attacks us with thoughts of despair and despondency. If, you, if, you're, if you're filled with despair, depressed or despondent this morning, that is not, that, you did not get that from God. Amen? You got that from the enemy. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I think it's the New English translation. It says, Faith gives substance to our hope. 
In other words, hope is necessary in order for faith to give substance to us, to it. Faith is of the heart while hope is of the mind. You know, one reason why people kind of poo-poo hope is because the promises made to faith are not made to hope. You know, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. The Bible says if you ask anything in prayer, believing you shall receive. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. So there's promises made to, to faith that are not made to hope, but don't diss on hope, because hope is absolutely necessary. When you're in a spiritual battle, you have, absolutely need to have hope. Amen? And so our hope, part of, part of creating an environment where the promise comes to pass, comes to pass, is, see, because I control my environment. I control the environment of my heart. I can't control what you do. I can't control my circumstances always. I can't control what other people do, but I can control my heart. I can control my thought life. Amen. And so it's important for me. I, I, it's important for us to keep the promise of God in the white, right environment. That's why praise and worship is so important. Have you ever listened to some of these songs? I like our songs. Good songs. I like our songs. And we don't just sing to, to spare, you know, kind of like to make up time so the preacher can get up and preach. This is really, 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 really important. Because when we praise and worship, we, we focus our attention upon Jesus. And we speak out of our mouths. We declare out of our mouths things that are true about God and things that are true about us in God. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. It's a time for miracles. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. Light in the darkness. Glory to God. Amen. And that's an awesome picture that we have to continue because when you do when you have those kind of pictures you create you put the promise in the right kind of environment it's just like the seed being in the right kind of environment how many see what i'm saying so here's i heard this one statement as i close that it's thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that leads the heart out of defeat into victory you know i i don't sing very well but you've heard me say this many times, and I'll say it again. I don't sing that well, but I do sing a lot. <clears throat> and I sing a lot, and I sing really loud. When I'm alone at home, I sing really loud. And I let it, I beller it. And I like songs that I can, because, you know, I, I, don't, I like songs that I can do the vibrato. <laughs> I had a music teacher tell me one time, you got to do vibrato. I didn't know what that was. But I, it's a quiver in your voice. It's like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe I should have been an opera singer. Maybe I, maybe I just haven't hit the right. I know I'm not supposed to be a rapper. I can't even take that. But, but maybe I was supposed to be an opera singer. But I just, I just let it fly. And I just let my heart and my mind, everything, join in. Because what is the reason? Well, first of all, God's worthy of my praise and my worship. But, but most of all, I want to keep, I want to keep the promise in the right environment. 
Because whether or not the promise comes to pass in my life will depend upon the environment that I create for God's promises. I have to create the right kind of environment. I do, I, one, of the, one of the things I have to do is I have to think right thoughts. I have to speak right words. I have to speak those right words through worship. Amen? I like that song, you know, um, Ron Hart, Bonky. He used to always sing this song. Have you ever heard of seen a Bonky uh, crusade? He'd always sing this song. Um, um, Let angels prostrate for. Let angels prostrate fall. And he just belt it out. Bring forth. I, I'd do it, but I, I'd probably scare you. <laughs> Bring forth the royal diadem. There's my vibrato. And crown. I mean, he just, they had miracles. There's just something about exalting God. It is a time for miracles. When we exalt God, we create an environment. We create an environment in our lives, but we also create an environment in rooms and areas where the power of God is in manifestation, where the promise begins to take root, the promise begins to come into fruitation, where the promises begin to ripen. And that's what we want. We want the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. Let's all stand together. So, worship team, I did all this to set you up. <laughs> so I want us to sing a song, and I don't know what song they're going to pick, but pick one where my vibrato would really work good. <laughs> don't don't prick a, pick a, a shimmy shimmy song. Pick one where everyone's vibrato will just like, am I putting too much pressure on you? <laughs> well, they, you always do a great job, so let's just sing this song, and then we'll bring this service to a close. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Oh! 
one more time and let God hear our voice. Hallelujah. 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 We praise Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Now, if you do that every day at home, after you've read some scriptures, you're creating an environment that the Word will work in. Amen? 
Praise God. We're creating environments that Scripture promises work in. The Scripture's promises don't work in every environment. Jesus taught that in the parable of the sower and the seed. He said there's only one out of four grounds where the word, the, the seed worked in, brought forth fruit. And we have to be very careful about the environment that we create. Amen? So I'm going to have the prayer counselors please come forward. And if you need to have a prayer request, need prayer for anything, we're just going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. If you have a physical need or spiritual need, anything, we just want to give you that opportunity. Praise God. Let me just pray over you. God, we just thank you for these people. They're awesome. They're the ground. They're your, they're your garden, the garden of the Lord, where the imperishable seed is planted. Your word, your word goes in. Give us your ability, your grace to maintain our garden, Lord, where all your wonders will be produced, everything that you've said. Lord, we don't want your storehouse to be just packed full of seeds and our hearts to be empty. We want our hearts to be filled with seeds that are maturing and producing results. The promises coming to fruition in our lives. Hallelujah. Miracles breaking out. It's a time of miracles. It's a time for miracles. It's a time for miracles. It's a time for miracles in our lives, in our families. It's a time for miracles in our nation. It's a time for miracles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we just know that you're saying go forward, move forward, step forward. We might be facing a Red Sea, but your word is still the same. Move forward. Proceed forward. Hallelujah. I just thank you, God, that we're moving. The move is on, Lord. Hallelujah. The move is on. The move is on. Turn to your neighbor and say, the move is on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We got some refreshments out there. Make sure you say hi to somebody. But if you do need prayer, please come forward and be prayed for. God bless you all. You're free to go.